The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 89 of the MX Vice Show podcast. We're deep in the off-season now, three weeks since MXGP wrapped up, but there's still a lot of unanswered questions about 2022 MXGP, which we'll get into in this episode of the MX Vice Show. And of course, there was actually some big 2022 news over the weekend with Roman Fevre getting injured, because that is going to have an impact on what we see come February the 20th, 2022. This is episode 89, and of course, I'd like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. Obviously, we've got a lot of things coming up. Liat, ask Vice anything for one, the Planet Moto bombshell of the week, and Armour You Smarter Than a Birth is back again. Yep, off-season equals more time equals more Armour You Smarter Than a Birth. Just need to get it funny again. It wasn't funny last time, which was disappointing. But you know, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. This is part one. And part one is presented by our friends at Fly Racing. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with a Formula helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes, as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system Introduce a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet from Fly Racing has changed the game. Obviously, I talk to Max Anstey regularly, and all he tells me is how impressed he is with the Fly Racing formula helmet. And all I say to him is, I'm not surprised, because... Why wouldn't you be impressed with a product that ticks every box imaginable? So what you are going to want to do is head to Fly Racing, whether that be Fly Racing USA on Instagram or flyracing.com and check the Formula Helmet out. So plenty to discuss this week. I want to revisit a couple of um, topics from last week as well, or two weeks ago. Sorry, there was no show last week. The man alongside me is James Burfield. Hi, James. Good morning, Lewis Phillips, and good morning, everybody, uh, or good evening, or good afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. Yeah, last week, uh, not feeling uh, the best. I uh, spent some time in Eichma, got back from uh, COVID Central, and um, yeah, just kind of passed out because it was a pretty full-on uh, couple of days. So yeah, do apologize. But um, definitely worth it. It was really nice to be back at Eichma, and it actually exceeded expectations. I thought maybe it'd be a little bit subdued, a little bit smaller, or actually very, very tiny. However, no, it was huge. Everybody was there. I think the only people who didn't go was the KTM group. Oh, really? Yeah, the KTM group, Husqvarna, Gas Gas, uh, didn't have stands, but every other leading manufacturer, both uh, road and off-road, was there. So um, yeah, a bit of a shame, that one. But um, yeah, fantastic. It was great to see um, things getting back to some normality. I think that's how you can kind of uh, measure things. 
is when Eichmann comes back and the crowds are there. So, um, yeah, it was good. I actually got out before the uh, the public got in, so I just went on the two days for for media, and uh, and, and then I made a move. Oh well. Did you miss going, Lewis? Because you yeah, do accompany me. A lot of people called me and asked me why I wasn't there and said they were disappointed to see your face and not mine. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I think again, you're at, you're making this up because uh, there was a lot of people very excited to see me. So um, I'm yeah. sure they were excited to see you. I just think it was a bit of a disappointment that it was you. Ah, don't, don't think so. Don't think so. So, did you watch Paris Supercross? Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I did. Uh, it was a bit of a struggle to keep my eyes open. I thought it was fairly. I got to be honest. The reason I didn't watch it was because there was nothing there which actually excited me apart from seeing Caroli. Yeah, that's um, the thing. I, it that was, was just I a bit be, of a nothing event. It was. And, and that's, I'm not, you know, having a go because I know these events are hard to put on in times of, you know, where we're in at the moment with COVID and in, in, in money and stuff. However, it was, it, for me, it was just a lackluster um, event and it didn't warrant me, even though I'm a fan, it, I just felt like I, I, I didn't want to watch it. Okay, there isn't really much to talk about from there, except for the fact that Roman Fevre did fracture his tip and fib in his right leg, multiple fractures. He has had surgery, he is now at home, but this is obviously a major blow to his 2022 title chances, major blow to the rumoured Ice One team who will be running the Kawasaki factory effort in 2022 because they've lost effectively a fountain of knowledge for off-season testing. It just blows all around. And once again, though, this reiterates that everything in 2021 MXGP worked just right for the perfect title fight. Everyone got injured at the right time, including Fevre, who had got injured after the season rather than during. Go, James. Well, uh, it comes down to that, that scenario of um, it made sense for Caroli to be there. He's not got no commitments next year. But uh, really, Fevre? I don't want to say that um, if ever it was, you know, it's going to happen or anything like that because, you know, it doesn't. But like, maybe not put yourself in those positions, especially after coming off of one of your, your best seasons. And like Kawasaki put in a lot of, uh, sounding like it was only going to be one rider going into um, 2022. Huh? Yeah, from, from little things I picked up at the show, it, they were actually thinking, do we just put everything into to Fever? So that's what I've got from um, sponsors. I'm wondering if, those rumors came from me. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, this was people I spoke to at the show which support the team. Oh, well, I but think you're wrong. But obviously, uh, things changed quite quickly. Hmm. That's interesting of you to say. Hmm. Wait, what changed quite quickly? Well, it's going to have to change because... Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm guessing when they were quite, you know, actually, let's just put all the resources into one person and we'll go from there. Obviously, that's not... Uh, no, they were, they were, they were going to have two riders, and um, they were going to have two riders before Befra got injured. We may even see something this week. I'm only just saying what people in the industry told me. Uh, uh, James, this is a discussion. I'm not, I'm not even talking about what you just said. I'm just merely offering my insight. I'm not, it's no, I'm, not, I'm not arguing with you, James. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, so Tib and Fib, I'm not really sure on what the recovery time is for a fractured Tib, tib and Fib, but we are 80... 80 days away from the start of MXGP. And yeah, it's going it, to, at best, he ever will have two to three weeks, maybe four on the bike before we go racing, which is a blow. If you want to sunny side up, put a positive spin on it, then that is, um, 
the fact that you look at past seasons, not 2021, but you look at 2019, for instance, the final three, the top three in the final championship standings were Geyser, Sewer, Koldenoff, and both Sewer and Koldenoff started the season way behind the eight ball and injured. So if you really want to put a sunny side up spin on it, then that is the fact that maybe this works out and a slower start equals a stronger finish. And when everyone else is dipping, he's rising. But yeah, obviously far from ideal. If you Google it, it says recovery from a tibia fibula fracture typically typically takes about three months. No, three months to six months. Your child may be able to heal faster. (laughs) (laughs) It's Um, it's quite a big injury. And not only that, but this is the the time without complications, like uh, an infection or or the bone weakening, or anything like that. So um, and it, I'm guessing it's, he's having it pinned uh, with metal. I, I don't know. I just know he's at home, and he's had surgery. But the thing that confuses me, and this, is, this, is, this confuses me a lot, I'm no doctor, I'm no medical expert, but fracture break of a tib-fib seems to be very blurred. Because, for instance, Kawasaki, the team Kawasaki said that he fractured. Kawasaki said that he broke. Like, are those, are those the same thing? Yeah. Oh. Just different ter- terminology. Okay. So it's the same thing then, a break yeah. fracture. Like, because either way, there's a split in your yeah. tip flip. You've okay. broken a bone, you fractured a bone. This is an interesting spin on the 2022 season already, but we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, if it's three to six months, then there's a chance he's going to miss Matterly and disregard everything I just said about him finishing strong. But hey, we'll see how that unfolds. Right. Before we get into some silly season stuff, I want to revisit a couple of MXGP topics. Okay. I've had an epiphany. Oh, dear. We've all been way too hard on Geyser. His season was quite good. Okay. Did you get an email from Honda? No, no, I actually didn't. I can't even remember what I was doing, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. Just checking. He broke his collarbone. So that, okay, he didn't miss races, but still, that was obviously a hiccup. He had the penalty. He had the crash at Lockett. Okay, you could say all of those were self-inflicted, but all of those things cost him quite a lot of points. Like, it was 15th in that moto in Lockett. Um, he only got a handful of points, I think like 18 points in um, Sardinia with a broken collarbone. And then obviously he lost, uh, I can't even remember, he lost, well, he lost five positions in um, Mantova with a penalty. So, like, that was a, that was a number of points taken off of him. Um, uh, again, self-inflicted. I just feel like maybe... Without that, those issues, his season was actually more impressive than we thought, but not because of speed. I stand by my statement that he wasn't fast enough, but also impressive was the fact that he won two GPs without winning a moto. And whereas in the past or in the season, when you get caught up on it, you're like, well, that's a bit shit. Looking at it now with more of context, I'm like, well, you know what? That's quite impressive for a championship because that's basically you cannot. Oh, even when I don't win motos, you're not going to gain points on me. I would agree if all those things hadn't have happened to Hurlins. I don't know what you mean. Well, you just, you just basically well, Hurlins never had a penalty. Like, you know, um, someone land, like Hurlins had someone land on him, you know, out for a uh, round, uh, you know, carrying an injury, which is supposed to take six weeks to heal. It's, there's, there's a lot of, you know, common areas there. Okay. But thanks for trying to... So you to... disagree with me completely? Yeah. B plus still? Uh, yeah. I've, well, I've moved to an A-. minus. Of course you have. Um, yeah. Okay, next! I need to talk to you about this Prado thing. Uh, 
Okay. <laughs> what, what is this Prado thing? Well, we got quite emotional last week. Right. Or two weeks ago. Prado's season was very good. Oh, God. It, it, I feel like we're just revisiting the episode. I just feel like I need to really clear this up. You've been holding on to this for two weeks. <laughs> yes. Yes, I wanted to last week. You know there's things called therapy, which you can go and talk talk to people about. They won't understand okay. you. But you okay, can, you don't want to get into that again? No. What would you like to say about Prado? I would just like to say he DNF'd a race crashing out in Turkey. Did you get an email from KTM? Because this no, no, because I was on I was on this from the start. Right. Prado could have been world champion this year. And no one gives him that credit. If could, Hurlings could, is not if her, her, if, could if, or Hurling, should. if Hurlings is not your 2022 world champion, Prado is. I, I don't think you can um, dispute that, but at the start of this oh. year, <laughs> at the start of this year, we were we were saying the same thing. You cannot rule out um, Prado for. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like we we had to. I feel like we had that this year. Where if Prado hadn't got injured, I feel like it would have worked that way. Where it, Hurlings was the favourite, but next chi- tipping it, chipping its heels was Prado. I feel like that's how it would have played out. Yeah, I, I don't think um, I don't think he would have been as far off as he was. Um, well, no, I don't think he would have been plus a hundred points down. No, no. So because at one point, what was he only seven or sixteen or something like that? Nine, nine. There we go. Actually, it might have been even six uh, after that moto, but yeah. Yeah, so um, he was there or thereabouts. It just fell away a little bit. Because he got injured. Mm-hmm. So did Hurlins. Yeah, I'm not disputing that, but the, I'm just saying problem, Prado was good. Do, do you know one thing, right? The problem is, is Geyser Prado would have been awesome. If Hurlins wasn't even born... Um, We'd both look at both of those results, uh, their injuries and everything else, and, and call them superhuman. Problem is, is Hurlins is so freaking good that it, it distorts everybody else. That's, that's a fact. And, and actually, I think I put on your Instagram pro, uh, thing the other day, I genuinely believe that in 10 years' time, we'll look back at when you know, Hurlins is retired and everything else, and we'll realize he was one of the greatest riders of all time. Or it, 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 it was, or is, or whatever best of the best he's beat the best of the best and I, and I think that's the problem it distorts everybody's view of, of anybody because they're racing against they're basically racing against the best that's ever been okay I don't really want to touch that that's just my that's just my thought I think you know Geyser and, and Prado yeah. Ricky Carmichael was the best that's ever been he was he was the best that's ever been and I, I'm a massive I got Carmichael's helmet here shirt massive massive fan but I'm sorry but what Hurlins has achieved is, is, is crazy. I literally, I, I, I'm so conflicted because... And the people I'm, that he's I'm beaten so, in their prime. I'm so conflicted because Carmichael is the best he's ever been, but I'm also thinking that Hurlings is amazing and I don't know what, what side, how to argue this because I think both riders are absolutely incredible and I don't really know how to... I've, Carmichael is... Carm, have this conversation when Hurlings retires. Right now, Carmichael is the best he's ever been and I'm pretty yeah. sure Car, uh, Hurlings will even agree with that. And... and uh, if you didn't already know, Ricky is hands down my favourite rider of all time. So it's not like I'm saying this with, you know... Well, not anymore. When I, when, when I next speak to Ricky, we're going to just shit on you non-stop. Of course you I'm going to clip that bit of the show and I'm going to be like, oh, Ricky, have you got 30 seconds? I just need to play you something. You that don't is know this guy. Style. That you is... don't know this guy, but fuck him, right? <laughs> that is Lewis to a T. Not at all. Not at all. 
Okay, so we're not going to touch that then. We don't, you don't want to get into the Prada thing, but I still believe that. So I just wanted to clear that up because Great. I felt like that got a bit emotion-driven yep. last time. Will you sleep better tonight now? Renault is moving up to the 450 officially. What has annoyed me a little bit is everyone going, Ooh, hardly news, we knew this three months ago. We thought we knew this. Come Mantova, there was a very, very, very high chance maybe not that high, but very high chance that Renault was going to stay in MX2. I believe Yamaha were pushing for him to stay in MX2. Basically, Renault had it in his contract that he was going to be an MX2 rider next year. But there was also this clause that said if he won an MX2 title, he would get a 450 ride the following year. The only the thing that has confused us is no one kind of expected him to win the MX2 title this year. So, I don't, I feel like that, that, outcome was never pitched in the Yamaha offices, hence the mass confusion and the mishandling of Watson. Basically, what this is and this is how I feel about um, this is how I feel about this. So this is, this is the first time Yamaha's pyramid system has really worked. Like Renault was EMX125 with Yamaha and now he's going to be MXGP with Yamaha and he's won a world title along the way. So Renault is the Yamaha pyramid through and through. So was Watson to a certain extent because he had three years with the MX2 team and then graduated to a 450. So Watson was, Watson was still like a great example of the Yamaha pyramid. but N- Not on a 125. Oh, I, I know that. That's why I said three years with MX2, in MX2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not really that much of a pyramid. Maybe the top of the pyramid. But still, he's an example of the pyramid. Sure he's still is. an example of the... Of the, the very system. top. Yes. Thank you, for, thank you for once again clarifying a very minor point of my overall explanation. Okay. So, what I, what I would say has happened here is the Yamaha pyramid has basically eaten itself. And they need to find a way to not have that happen again. And Watson is a casualty of the Yamaha pyramid eating itself. If you know, do you know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean, but at the same time, I think their program has changed at the top because before they had... Uh, Camilla, which was obviously Factory MX2. Then they had Rinaldi, which was Factory MX2. Then they had Wilvo, which we might as well just call a factory team. So there was plenty of options available. Um, now they've just got the MX, you know, MX2, which is, you know, is three, what well, is three riders? I guess it's going to be two riders next, or is, is it three riders again next year? No, two. Two? I and, believe. And then I'm guessing um, MXGP is three. So th- they are, they've actually kind of lost a few places. So, um, in theory, they should be given or, or working with Geben uh, a lot more to provide maybe some factory support because that would just ease up everything. Yeah, but I, still don't, I don't think that is technically the Yamaha pyramid because the Yamaha pyramid is top EMX125 team, top EMX250 team, top MX2 team, top MXGP team. But still, I don't think there's a problem with the Yamaha pyramid. I think the problem is that it's eaten itself because, and it's eaten itself because the pyramid was like, because. Coldenoff and Sewer are not examples of the pyramid. So at the top of the pyramid are people who didn't do the pyramid, and then everyone else in the pyramid is kind of getting wedged at the top because like, they, can't, like, they can't break through this ceiling that Coldenoff and Sewer have set. So the Yamaha pyramid has basically eaten itself. Uh, that is an issue that I guess will be brought up, and that is why Watson has been mishandled horrifically. But hey... That's my thoughts on that. How do you think Renault will do next year? I'm guessing you're looking at this as a non-biased point of view as well. Yeah, obviously Yamaha, the Yamaha pyramid has eaten itself. Okay. Because in okay, an ideal world... Because a lot of people do know that you're a fan of Ben Watson. Yeah, but I'm, this is what pisses me off. This is what really grinds my gears. Just I'm, the one? I can be objective. I am objective with everything. Really? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I give I give it the old Watson wagon laughs and everything, blah blah blah. But everything I've said is true. I'm not. I've never said a lie. I've never said a blind lie. But yeah, basically, the Yamaha pyramid wouldn't have eaten itself if Renault didn't win a title sooner than expected. Because then Watson could have had another year to progress. Maybe Coldenoff wouldn't have got re-signed at the end of next year. So then Watson would have taken his spot, and then Renault would have taken Watson's spot, and then the Yamaha pyramid would have like really moved along in, syn- in sync, whereas Renault progressing quicker than the Yamaha Pyramid had planned caused the Yamaha Pyramid to eat itself. How do you think Renault will do next year? Uh, I expect him to do the same as what Watson's just Battle done. with Watson and Olsen? Yeah. Although I'd maybe, maybe Watson and Olsen will be better than him because they'll have a year in the class? Mm, I don't know. He'll be in that mix. Yeah. Second tier. You've got the Hurlings, Prado, Fevra, Geyser, Sewer group, and then you've got the Coldenoff, Watson, Renault group. Agreed. Agreed. We're being very efficient today. Very efficient. Is that, are you okay with that? No, I just feel like you haven't got much life in you. I have got a lot of life in me, but um, I'm actually agreeing with some of the things that you say, because for once, you're actually thinking properly. Okay, Kevin Horgmo signed with FNH, uh, MX2 rider, sole MX2 rider, never ridden a Japanese bike before, so a bit of an adjustment there. Mm-hmm. I like this. I, one of the main, basically, there was two criteria that FNH went off of to sign Horgmo his weight and his family. Basically, trying to make sure his family aren't lunatics, as is the case a lot in the paddock. Horgmo fit both of those things, and I think. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be good for FNH. I don't think there was really a better option out there. Obviously, they were going to have Regan Duffy. He probably would have done better than Horgmo, but then hard to say because it still would have been an all-new experience for him. And hopefully he'll recover to the point that one day he can actually come here. The door is open for him with FNH. There will be a bike waiting for him if he ever gets to that point. So removing Regan from the equation, I think that... Horgmo was the best option on the table. FNH did sniff around a couple of other riders that I can't say about, but that would have been interesting. But of the available riders, yeah, I think Horgmo was the best, uh, best option. I don't know how he does next year. Uh, I would like to think that he will be consistent top 10. But talking to Mark Deruva in a podcast that will maybe out before this one, so you may have already listened to it, he said that he wants Hawkmo to be on the podium at some point next year. Okay. Um, it seems to be um, something I'd like to learn. This seems to be a different direction for FNH, given that they've solely focused on MX2 for the past three or four years, um, with sort of three riders on the team, sort of Mark sort of like looking after the riders. Did, did Mark, I guess it's Natalie we need to speak to, but It'd be interesting to touch on why the change in direction. Do you want me to just completely spoil the Deruva interview, or do you want me to say tell everyone to listen to the Deruva interview? I don't mind. Well, so you're only going to sell a portion, aren't you? You're not going to like. There's okay. plenty more of the podcast. It's yeah, like- true. This wasn't the most controversial thing he said. So basically, having three MX2, basically having three MX2 riders this year and last year. When Deruva was on Champ KTM with Townley and Rattray, they all trained together. They all pushed each other. Like they would do um, staggered starts in training where the fastest guy would go first and then like the others would follow and learn and it was all very happy and um, exciting. Deruva wanted that. That didn't happen with the three riders 
one rider didn't want to ride with the other. And then there was two riders training here and one rider training here. And it never really worked. And then suddenly, like, um, one rider gets a good start. So then the other rider's parents are going, oh, his 250 got a good start. Maybe his bike's better than yours. And like, it's just the competition in the team wasn't healthy competition, as far as I can figure out. Right. So, it, so having one MXGP rider and one MX2 rider means that you are our sole MX2 focus. You have no reason to question anything. And you are our sole MXGP focus. You have no reason to question anything. Right. Okay. Makes sense, I think. I think it's a smart business decision. Yeah, I think it makes sense. At the end of the day, they're spending a lot of money and investing a lot of money. They can do a million the they, uh, this year. They, they can do whatever the hell they want. Um, I, I was just interested to understand why, you know, for the last couple of years, like I say, we've had three free riders on the team and why they've, um, they've gone to this. I just wonder where, and I, and I think I can kind of guess it, that, that it's just like take out a lot of the um, noise and distraction from the team and just get back to having some fun and some focus. Maybe. Yeah, um, I, think it's, I think it's a good move. And I think it's beneficial, obviously, we share some sponsors with FNH, at Prox. And I think for those sponsors, having one rider in each class is good as well. I think that's like, it shows just how universal the Prox parts are, for instance. So I think it's good business-wise off the track and it's good for synergy under the tent at races. And like, Beaton will help Horgmo and Horgmo will say to Beaton, oh, did you see it? Like, you know, there won't be any of this when I've got a race you tomorrow. Beaton will go to Horgmo and say, oh yeah, last year in MX2, I did this and this was shit. You should try it. Like, you know? Yeah. I think that it will work from that point of view. No, definitely. I think, I think it's a good move and I think it's an exciting move and especially Beaton and Hawkmo are good personalities. So I think there'll be a lot more attention on FNH next year from uh, even myself. Um, I can guarantee I'll be probably interviewing at least one FNH rider per round just because they're both good people to talk to. Um, the one thing which obviously is a negative which no one likes to talk about. I mean, one of the reasons why you have two riders in each class is because of injuries, and we get lots of injuries within motocross because it's just what it is. Um, yeah, but that, that doesn't matter. It's still the same thing. One, oh, oh Hawkmo got injured. Well, we've got Jed and MXGP. Like. Sure, but again, it's um, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm not I'm not you know having a, a disagreement. I'm just saying that you know there is that that uh, chance that maybe one or, 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 or the other rider gets injured, so they miss that spotlight on that class. So, I don't know. It's, um, it, it'll be interesting to watch their season progress and see if it shapes out where they're going in the future. Arno Tonus has retired. Um, not surprising, but surprising that it just randomly popped up on Instagram <laughs> on a random day at a random time. Yeah, not surprising. Truthfully, I expected it to come a year sooner. I thought he would do it when he lost the factory Yamaha ride. Just more injuries this year, more concussions. And yeah, truth be told, I'm quite happy that he's walked away when he has because the amount of concussions he's had as of late, I think it's a smart decision. And yeah, worst case is I definitely don't want to see him have any more concussions next year. So I'm happy he's leaving healthy. He did a lot. Probably didn't do what anyone expected or thought he could do because of injuries. But still, um, nice career, successful career. And Cheers to the next chapter. Yeah, he, Arno's always been a really nice guy to approach and talk to, no matter whether it's fans or media or whatever. I loved watching him race. I loved watching him ride. I loved watching, like, great technique, super stylish. Like you say, probably didn't reach the highs of what, um, you know, he, he could have. Uh, and that was unfortunately down to, you know, injuries and stuff like that. But 
But wow, what a talent. And it was a pleasure to watch him um, sort of race over the years, especially we were lucky back in, I think it's probably 09, 10, uh, 11 maybe, when he was on um, uh, Dixon's team along with Zach Osborne. That, that was just fantastic to, to watch those two go battle uh, together. So a lot of great memories of, of Arno over the years and whatever he goes on to next, I uh, really wish him well. Thanks, thanks for the time. Favourite Tonus memory? Um, I don't know, just, I think, was it, was it a Guido that we went to in Portugal not too long ago? Where um, he really, I think that was about two years ago, just before COVID, he really came in some form, didn't he, on the 450? Yeah, he got on a podium at a Guido in 2019. Yeah, I think, I think that really, that was, and, and I was there when he had a massive off at Canada Heights, I think it was. Um, I think, I can't remember, I want to say 11 or 12 or something like that, but. That was a huge one, and it was good to see him sort of, you know, be okay after that one. But those are the two things which, you know, one where it was like, gee, how do you even get walk away from that one? And um, the other one was obviously, those are the two in my mind. But every time I've gone up to speak to him over the years or whatever, just really nice guy. Like, I can't get across how, what a good human being he is, and really nice guy. So, yeah. For some reason, the first thing I think of when I think of Arno Tonus is, um, his first Supercross in America, he was second in uh, time to qualifying. And I only remember that because I, I, it was unexpected, for sure. I don't think anyone really thought he was going to be that good straight away. And yeah, I just remember, I just think of there being a lot of uh, hype and discussion around that practice time because everyone was suddenly, everyone, both America and Europe, was suddenly like, oh, well, that's unexpected and interesting. So for some reason, when I, when I asked you that question, the first thing to pop into my mind was, yeah. Tonus being second in time qualifying at Arlington in 2015. Uh, but, de- debut on the pro circuit, yeah. And kind of the only glimpse we kind of got of what he could do in America because he just got illness after illness. Which, again, story of, of his career, injury, illness, disruption, disruption, like very, very little momentum in Arno Tonus's career. But a lot of podiums, a couple of GP wins. A couple of GP wins? Maybe only one GP win. Hmm. Uh, I think only one GP win. That seems low, though. Hold on, I'm going to check. No, I think he did have a couple. I think he would have had two or three. Uh, no, one. Yeah, one. Huh. Brazil. MX2. Yeah, Brazil 2014, MX2. Huh. So no MXGP wins? No. No, I knew that. I just didn't. I thought he might have got one or two, one or, one or two on CLS, but um, yeah. Wow. So, James, I had a very long list of topics there. You've kind of sidestepped any controversy with me today. Well, the last, I've got to be honest, the last show was exhausting. Well, to be honest with you, the last show was exhausting because you were just horrific in every way. I don't, I think if you have a listen back, then you were quite horrific. I think you'll find the horrificness was the fact that you were trying to talk about a podcast that never was recorded on the podcast, mm. which just kind of ruined it because then everyone was like, I don't really understand what you're talking about because I never heard this podcast that was never recorded. Okay. So there's a loss in your column. Okay. I, I, well, I will... Again, you're just then. sidestepping you any controversy cor- yep. today. You are correct, Lewis, and I'm the bad guy. <laughs> you, don't want to, you just don't want anything to do with anything today, no? Uh, I'm... I'm picking my battles. You've got any, you've got any um, topics you wanted to raise? Or? <laughs> no, I think, um, I think, like I said, the, the whole timing of the, the February thing was 
you know, was 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 not great. Um, I, you know, I understand that he wants to go and do Paris and stuff like that. However, it, as great as the, the 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 race is, or it has been in the previous in the past, um, it really means nothing. And I, I guess it's like, oh, we've got nothing to lose now, but it's the end of the season. But that would have been fine if if we were starting in April or or May like we did this year, but. It's going to be tough for him to get back, um, and it's going to put pressure on a new team um, with Anti, with new, you know, new team, new sponsors. I know he's got his Kawasaki, and da, 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 but still, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in the background, I guess, for Anti to be get, to get ready, and the an announcement still not even happened. So, um, I, I was surprised to see him in Paris with the old Kawasaki team. I would have thought he would be with. I thought I would have thought he would have been with the Ice One lot now. I, I like. I was surprised at that. I mean, I, there's obviously nothing to it. Who like whatever he was wearing Alpine Stars gear and everything still. So obviously it was part of his contract for 2021. But I was surprised at that, and I'm also surprised that um, there's still no Kawasaki announcement about the partnership with Ice One. But I think that might be become coming December the first. I know they've given they gave the riders that absolute the second the options for the second seat. They gave those riders that absolute deadline of November the 30th. A decision would be made by November the 30th, which is today as we record this. So I'm wondering if maybe someone signs today and an announcement about a rider comes out December the 1st as well. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. At this point, just, I don't know. Just please announce something. I looked. I actually looked because I was thinking how mental this is. Fevra's Kawasaki contract was announced in August. We are now five months on and we have nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That puts um yeah, that puts it into perspective about how ridiculous it is. I, I just feel for the riders. You know, there's it, there's a lot of people and it's actually um it, it, it's even affecting national championship rides. This I don't think people really understand about about the domino effect of when this Kawasaki, uh, when Kawasaki gets uh, number two gets announced, then Gabon and a few other teams in the paddock are going to get, um, but then it's also going to go down to the national championships in Germany, France, and Britain and stuff like that, where riders are going to see that a, a ride that they're trying to negotiate with, with lots of other riders at the moment, is going to close because, you know, it's gonna, the, the, the team's just going to choose the best person who's left. And uh, or it fits their team, and then it's literally there's, there's yeah, it's it's. I think this this trickle is um is being felt everywhere. Well, even I've said to people like I on the MX Vice side, I've got a couple of deals that are waiting on Kawasaki. <laughs> like I need Kawasaki to sign a second rider so I can sign some of some MX Vice deals for next year. <laughs> like it is literally trickling everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting actually. Like how far this is. This is going on. I don't think we've seen this in recent years. Well, it's December and nothing's happened, so... Yeah. No, but we've definitely not seen this. I think in the entirety of MX Vice since we've been going. We've got more questions about City Season in Liao Ask Vice Anything coming up after the break. So I think what I'm going to do is we're going to go to Advert, come back with those questions just so we don't rehash the same thing over and over. I think that is a good idea. Just word of advice, James. Yes, Lewis. 
That is the sound that resembles your current mood. So let's ramp it up and come back in the second half, yeah? It's half time. This is me. We're in the locker room, right? It's half time. The first half was okay, but we really need to hit it hard in the second half. So let's put our heads down. Let's get motivated and let's do this. Okay. Thanks okay. For Thanks. For <laughs> of course, myself and James would like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. That was part one of the MX Fly Show presented by Fly Racing. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Fly Racing Formula helmet has changed the game and will continue to change the game because there is more Fly Racing Formula helmet news coming soon, I believe. Very exciting indeed. Thanks for those sponsors. We will be back after the advert with Liat Ask Vice Anything. Armour You Smarter Than a Birth will be coming up in Section 3. So get ready for that. Based on James's current mood, the questions may make him cry. I'm not quite sure. We'll, we'll see. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in five minutes after this short advert break. Support the sponsors. Cheers. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. Prox Racing Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the high-level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of Prox's parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 89 of the MX Vice Show podcast. This is section two, and that is presented by, of course, Technical Touch, with an air-oil-separated closed cartridge design that is well-known in the MX world. The KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected 
on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. You too can experience the best in suspension, like Jeremy Sewer and Ben Watson, and close to home too. Visit technical-touch.com slash KYB-authorized-dealer to find an authorized KYB by Technical Touch dealer in your country. Take your ride to the next level. And this week's featured authorized dealer is Austria Suspensions, who um, are the sole KYB by Technical Touch authorized dealer in Austria. There is no authorized dealer in Czechia or Slovenia either, neighboring countries of Austria. So Austria Suspensions may be the place for you to get KYB by Technical Touch suspension for your bike if you live around that sort of area. There's obviously a few in Germany that we will spotlight in the coming weeks, but Austria-wise, Austria suspensions are the place for you to go. I know we've got quite a few Austrians listening to this, so hopefully that helps you out and helps you take your ride to the next level with our friends from Technical Touch. If you want to get in touch with Austria suspensions, their phone number is plus 43 664 527-4742. That's for this week's KYB by Technical Touch Authorized Dealer. Thanks to those guys for presenting part two of the MX5 show. And of course, I'd like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Props Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. How are you doing, James? Doing good, thank you, Lewis. Oh, there's a bit more of a spring in your step there. That's as much as you're going to get. Oh. Well, I don't know. There's some questions that might entertain you. Okay. And then we've got Armour, you smarter than a birth. Okay. Yeah, it just sounds great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, let's get straight into Liat Ask Vice Anything. As I said, there's some questions that may make you happy. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve year after year. The 2022 gear is now available worldwide and there are many lines for you to consider. The 3.5 ride kit, an affordable combo. 4.5 jersey and pants, the 4.5 enduro jersey and pants, and the 5.5 jersey and pants. There is so much to consider at Liat. Not only that, there is also an advanced range of moto helmets for 2022 that include the 9.5 carbon, the 8.5 composite, the 7.5, and the 3.5. The Liat helmets are available in a broad range of striking colors to suit all tastes. Not only that, the 9.5, 8.5, and 7.5 helmets come with free bulletproof velocity goggles too. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on liat.com. So, many questions this week. A surprising amount of questions, considering we're in off-season. Um, I try to pick the best ones and keep it a bit shorter this time. A bit, not as many questions, but try to pick some ones that will... Spring some good discussions. We'll see how that goes. Are you ready, James? Born ready. Okay. At rich underscore 14. Are we going to expect more than usual factory teams over for the Hawkstone International, seeing as Matterley is round one of VMXGP? There's been a lot of that um, discussion I've seen on social media. Obviously, Hawkstone is February the 13th. Matterley is February the 20th. So everyone is automatically presuming that that means everyone's going to just come earlier for Hawkstone. I don't think so because I don't think it's really an option for teams and riders to stay in the UK for the whole week, nor do I think that's a good idea. They're going to want to be back at their base in the days before round one. They're not going to want to be living the gypsy life and living out of a truck for 10 days before going into round one. And also there's the issue now with Brexit, um, not that I know anything, that for those teams, they need to have a carnet to come over. Now, don't ask me what a carnet is. 
I just know it's some sort of customs document where they have to list everything in the truck and their value, I think, and stuff like that. Yep, it's for VAT. So if they are going to go come for Hawkstone, go back for the week leading up to Massily and then come back for Massily, I feel like they'll just go, you know what? That's a lot of hassle. Let's just go to England once. You missed out a, a vital point. Hawkstone is very different to Massily. Yeah. Yeah, that too. As in sand settings, is, it makes no, it's not, makes no difference whether they get it at Hawkstone or not. It, it, they might as well just go and ride in France for the week before on Harpac. I forget, um, yeah, I forget. Is La Capelle the week before Hawkstone? I don't actually know. I did see a date for it the other day. Yeah, February the 6th. So, yeah, La Capelle is the week before um, Hawkstone, two weeks before Matterley. That is the pre-season international that I would expect to pop off with people. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you're right. I, I can't, as much as, you know, it'd make complete sense being in the UK for a week or whatever. Um, maybe it's, maybe the British-based teams will do, will do that, but I can't see too many GPs Depending on how much money they're going to get paid, but even then, I'd imagine we... Hurlings will be there, and I saw Ren. I think I saw Rene Hoffers confirmed, so that yeah. probably means Hurlings will be there. But yeah, and they're going to go because they get really good start money. Yeah, Hawkstone pays well, but yeah, I actually wonder as well because um, if say you're going to do La Capelle, Hawkstone, and then Matley, that's three weeks of racing on the bounce, which may be good in the case of arm pump and like getting well into race situations before Matley. But also maybe bad, considering we've got a really short off season. So I'm wondering if teams maybe go a little less on the preseason races next year, just to keep people, just to squeeze every bit of like free time out of the off season that they can. And when I say free time, I mean basically time not spent racing. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the um, next year's preseason is going to be a lot different. I mean, I think a lot of the riders literally only finished what a couple of weeks ago. They're going to have Christmas and have a bit of time off. And then I guess usually they get back on, but usually they've got, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've finished in sort of September. So it's like they've lost eight weeks in theory of their yeah, off season. If not more. Yeah. So wh- when are they actually going to have a chance to go away and get some, some time away and actually rest, recuperate and heal up? Because a lot of them, uh, you can say 90% of them are carrying small injuries or, or big injuries, you know? So it's going to be, do they really want to go back to testing when they're still injured? I wonder if we're going to have a bit of a Supercross scenario where, you know, like, obviously Anaheim 1 is very close to um, Christmas. So a lot of riders will be testing, like, in the week between Christmas and New Year. I wonder if that's almost what MXGP will be, but be like this year, where, like, we have Christmas and then on the 26th, everyone's back to practice tracks and going for it. Maybe. Speaking of practice tracks, we never really he- I've never really heard a follow-up on what happened with Lommel. Like, they, were, they were in danger of being shut down, like, uh, two months ago. And then I've never, I haven't really, seen, and there was obviously a big commotion about it. But I never yeah. saw, like, what happened with that? Like where it went? I don't. Maybe it's all still being sorted out. But I never saw a follow up. No, interesting. I haven't either. It'd be if anybody has any more information out there and listen to the podcast, it'd be good to know um, exactly what what the situation is and whether uh, they've been restricted to days or they've got further restrictions or it's being reviewed. At Andrew M one five two one nine zero three six. Hopefully that's not his phone number. Where is the next big British talent coming from? And do you think factory teams have a bias against British riders? Not many seem to get a fair shot. You can take part one of that, James. Uh, where's the next big British talent coming from? Uh, I think uh, I want to say that factory KTM have just signed um, 
a 65 rider. What? And I what? Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. What? Yeah, um, it was announced uh, this week. Um, what? If it yeah. was announced, then surely I would have got that email. Uh, well, it wasn't really an email. Is uh, the actual teams posted, but they've got factory support from um, their official KTM um, factory team. Uh, and there's a, I think there's a Dutch rider. Um, a f- now I can't remember if it's Robbie Daly or Harry Dow or Robbie Dow or something, but it's a 65 rider who um, has been uh, making a lot of waves this year. I believe he's in the auto class and he's gone up to 65. Um, I might when you wrong. say factory, we're not talking like a Comrade Muse contract. Right, here we go. Uh, I've got it. It's actually Harry Dow from Liverpool. He is on the 65, and it's Dirk Van Summeren, uh, who is very proud to announce that KTM Factory gave me the opportunity to run their official junior team in 65 and 85 class for 2022. So I'm glad to present the riders uh, for the team, which is DVS Junior Racing KTM team. Uh, on the 65, we have the Pocket Rocket from Liverpool. Harry Dow on the 85, we have the Flying Dutchman from Geldorp. Uh, Gale drop, sorry, 11-year-old uh, Dean Gregoire. Uh, also on the 85, we have one of Belgium's most talented young riders, 12-year-old Yarny Brevertz. Uh, we want to thank all the people at KTM. So, um, I've heard a lot uh, about um, Harry Dell, especially over the last sort of year uh, racing. Everybody's been raving about him. So, you know, let's just uh, hope that, um, you know, he can go on to do, to do big things, I, th- I, I guess. People were looking at him as in the same vein as um, what Comrade Muse was doing um, uh, on a 65. So um, it'd be interesting to to follow, um, you know, Harry's progress. I think there's a there's a couple of there's a couple of rising talents in the UK, but again, it's it's always that same thing about um, when are they gonna uh, you know get over to, to EMX? But it looks like. Um, Obviously, Harry's going to be on the uh, KTM factory team, so I'm guessing he's going to have to, you know, incorporate a lot of the um, the Dutch championship into his um, race season. I think I can't see anybody um, apart from like this kid and, and then maybe a couple of others. Um, People are going to want you to say Bobby Bruce. The, the only reason I'm not saying Bobby Bruce, the only reason I'm not saying Bobby Bruce, is just because of his age. Because I think he's 18 and he's, um, he's on a 125. So when you compare what other people were doing at 18 years old on a 125, you know, he's racing against 14 year olds on a 125. So um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd love to see him go on and in, 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 in smash it. In, uh, it'd be interesting, um, obviously, going into EMX 250. Um, and, and just seeing the progress, I really hope he he smashes it next year and, and shows that he's a, a you know there and, a, and as a contender, um, it'd be great. Um, you know, I the only problem what I just foresee at the moment is just just this benchmark about how young these talents are coming in through on a one two five and then it getting to an EMX two fifty to be able to you know when we say the next biggest thing from from the UK and able to challenge for wins in MX two in in MXGP. I don't know. It's going to be a while. I, I, I've, I think I said on a previous podcast show and, and stuff like that, I, I am unsure if we'll see, if I will see, uh, I'm 46 now, will I see uh, in my lifetime in the next 20 years, um, I don't expect to live too long, um, next 20 years, will I see uh, a British world champion? And I'm not sure. I'll say you won't. 
Yeah. And that's not being me, me being negative. That's just me being realistic. Th- think, things have to change within the UK um, to be able to drive this next generation on. Okay. Uh, regarding factory teams have a bias against British riders, I don't think so because Tommy, when, he, when Tommy went on, a, went on a 450, he deserved a factory deal. But he was offered factory deals. He chose to go to CLS. So it's not like the factories just went, no, we don't want you. Obviously, he got on Red Bull KTM again eventually, so he did get a factory deal. Anstey had lots of factory deals, and, def- and deservedly so, because he was on that level. Ben's obviously had a factory deal, and again, deservedly so, because he's on that level. Conrad? Apart- yeah, he was on that level. But apart from those riders, I don't think you can really say there's a British rider who doesn't, who hasn't had a factory ride lately, who outright absolutely deserved one. So I, I feel like the British riders that deserved factory rides got them. I don't think there's a, a bias either because um, within the MXGP paddock, even though there's lots of people from different countries, the main language is, is English. Everybody communicates in, in English because there's so many different nationalities on teams. So actually, it's easier for um, a British rider to communicate weirdly uh, on a lot of these teams. At Chris United 93 what are the expectations of Husky's MX2 campaign next year? It's an interesting one. It's an interesting one because you basically have, in most Icon Dwarf, you have basically the most, what would you say, the most potential in the paddock? Like, there's a chance that most Icon Dwarf could win a lot of GPs between them and win a lot of motos and be on the podium every week, like one, of, one or the other be on the podium every week and like they could really smash it. Obviously, that would be a step up from where they are now. So it just depends whether they make that step up this year or in 2023. I would expect them both to be top five, though, no doubt. At the very least, I would expect them both to be fourth and fifth in the final championship standings. Do you think? Yeah, I think they're, yeah, they're both top five guys. I know that's, that's the Wolf's goal. The Wolf's goal is top five. I was kind of expecting um, them to be kind of, you know, pushing for top three. Oh, yeah, but that's... Again, this is that is the same thing. I said at the very least, they I expect them to be fourth and fifth. That at, at the very least, meaning, like, like I, had, uh, I genuinely uh, think both will be pushing for wins. Um, well, let, let's look at the what we got. Vial, we got Gertz, um, Van Moosdijk on a on a Husqvarna, and, and Kaida Wolf's already shown that he can beat both. Rene Hoffer. Oh yeah, Rene Hoffer. So Choo-choo. um. Yeah, it's, it's, are, you, are you a little bit more excited about MX2 next year? Yeah, it'll be a fresh start, won't it? It just got a bit, it got very stale this year. Yeah, but I do think there's a lot of, there's, it's going to be, there's interesting stories there as well with obviously Horikmo on the Kawasaki. That's going to be very interesting watching how he um, uh, progresses on, on the Kawasaki, um, especially with someone like Deruva behind him as well. So um, there's a lot of really good stories here. I think, um, I think a lot of people are going to buy into this MX2 championship next year. Oh boy, this is a name. Pavardinus, Vardinus, Pavardinus, Vardinus. What do you say about AJ7? Will he get a team? Uh, I believe last week, AJ7, Arminus Jazakonis, was testing a Geben Yamaha. So, I think that is his, I think Geben is his number one choice of team that he would like to go to. Will he get it? I don't know because everyone in the paddock who doesn't have a ride is basically going for Gebben. <laughs> yeah, I think Gebben um, could have a, a six-rider team next year, couldn't they? If uh, Daruva said the same to me, he said that he could have, if he wanted to, he could have three semis full of 450 riders. 
it's insane. Absolutely insane. The talent, which is just going to be like left without a ride. I, I would bet that Jazakonis goes to Geben because there's quite a few tie-ins there. I, I would bet that he gets a spot on Geben. If he doesn't, then I don't know what he does because I don't know where else in the paddock he could go. So, yeah. But I fully expect Jazakonis to be on Geben next year. Nothing, nothing's done, but in my mind, it just makes a lot of sense from many different sides. Yeah. Um, what, how are you seeing, uh, uh, from, from what you know, um, how are you seeing the Geben team next year? Uh, are, we, are we seeing Vlanderen back there? Possibly. Yeah, Vla- uh, Vlanderen, I don't know. I don't know, because I don't even know if they're running two or three riders. I would think that Van Donick... Van Donick, he, he, he put in some good rides this year. Yeah, I'd, I'd expect them to bring him back. Maybe like Vlanderen, Jazakonis and Van Donick. Or maybe, they, maybe okay. they only do uh, two riders. Yeah. I don't know. But they, they basically just need Kawasaki to hurry up and get their stuff done. At Brad Myers 2020, uh, no, at Brad Myers 22, how many world titles and GP wins do you think Hurlings would have without injuries? World titles, you can say confidently that Hurlings would have won the world title in 2014 and 2015 had he not got injured because he had ridiculous leads. He almost won the 2014 title with a broken femur. So you can say those two confidently. So that takes him to seven world titles. You could argue it, was a, it is a completely hypothetical debate and who knows what, who knows? But you could argue that if he was fully healthy, he would have at least got one of the last two, or not the last two now, but he might have got one of the 2019 or 2020 championships. If, again, if injuries weren't a thing, which is an impossible game to play. But yeah, I'd say definitely seven, maybe eight, maybe even nine. But definitely seven, 100% seven. Yeah. And I would say 100% eight, because I'd imagine he would have at least got one MXGP title along the way. One more along the way. Like he could have even won um, his rookie year in MXGP where he came in with a hand injury, wrist injury, something like that. He raced, he didn't miss a round, but he came in way behind the eight ball and was terrible to begin with. He almost won the championship that year because he came on so strong towards the end. So if he actually started reasonably well, that might have been another one. So really, like you could actually add quite a lot to his title, but injuries are a part of sport. You've got to overcome them. You've got to deal with them. And unfortunately, Hurlings has had more than his fair share. But hopefully, touch wood, this is the start of a nice little run for him where he has some momentum and doesn't have to deal with all of that. At L Knight Free, do you think that the FIM Supercross series will use Supercross tracks with whoops or be more like Paris? Hmm. I don't actually think it's even going to go, is it? No, I, I like, they, apparently there is one one, what would you say? One like serious, yeah. yeah. One serious option for a promoter, but that doesn't mean it will happen. No, and it's, I mean, the economy, COVID. I mean, you've either got to have a lot of money that you're willing to lose, or, um, you know, a very, very big company who's gonna is gonna do that because, geez, when you at when you've not even got people like in front and people like that bidding for it or even interested in it then you probably, you know it's going to be um, hard work. I um, say they get a promoter and say they get this far to track design. I think they would have whoops because I think they want to make a true Supercross World Championship. And to do that, you have to have whoops. If you have a, if you have a Supercross World Championship that's got tracks like Paris, then I don't know what that is. That may as well be a motocross world. Like, that's, that's like not Supercross. So Paris wasn't Supercross. Make no mistake about that. 
Here's here's one for you. Um, on on the just talking about this for a second. Say you had um, you know, a hundred million pound, and um, someone someone's giving you a hundred million pound to run the uh, a World Supercross series. What would you do? What would I do? Yeah, I mean, like, what months would you run it? Uh, how would you attract riders? Um, how, how would you get this thing going or get this thing, the wheels moving? I think I'd probably take, I'd say, right, I need this 100 million in my bank account, obviously, to make the offer to run the championship. So I'd get that money in my bank account. I would flee the country, change my name, and live in Barbados or something under a different name, probably get a bit of plastic surgery and happy days. I knew that you were going to do that. It was just so fucking obvious. <laughs> I don't know how you can... I think it's hard to make it. Like, what do you... What riders do you attract? Cedric Subaras? I'm sorry. Cedric Subaras did very well at Bercy and very no, well done to him. But I, if he is your leading rider, that series isn't going to do anything. You no, need a I, star. I, yeah, and I think that, that... I think when you look at how uh, other organizations, like UFC in, in uh, MMA is, is the leading organization, but then there's one championship. Uh, cage fury. There's lots of different ones, and um, uh, bare knuckle boxing now is, is sort of come out, and they're taking MMA stars and giving them more money. I think, I think the only way that a promoter is able going to be able to, is going to be able to do this is by um, maybe approaching pe- people like um, the Tonuses and the recently retired riders, getting the Chad Reeds, um, you know, paying them you know a, a ridiculous amount of money and paying some uh, Americans to literally come over and very, very, get paid very, very well and ride the full series because that's the only way I think they're going to get it going. If they, if they believe that they're going to start a championship, like you say, with um, just the Euro, the typical Euro Super, it's not going to get any traction. Basically, in, they, would in, in my to, mind. Um, they would have to capitalize on the riders who, ha- who can't get deals in their series or are riding for free and hope that they could get paid in this series. But then still, that's not the top level of what... No, but again, if you think that... um, It it kind of feels like Australian Supercross has not really happened much, so... Well, it's because of COVID. Yeah, so I guess there there could be a lot of Australian talent which would want to come over for rides and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I think there's a way to do it, but I think it's just going to cost so much money it will never happen. At Aaron Lewis, 225, Joe Rogan does a fight companion where they watch, comment, and podcast live. Why don't you and James do something similar for the flyaway rounds next year that you don't go to? Um, I go to all the flyaway rounds, so I'm out of that. Yeah, I'll be there. I like that idea, though. That's pretty yeah. cool. That's pretty cool. Maybe... Uh... I don't know how you'd do it, because wouldn't you need the feed? I guess you would, yeah, but I, I guess you could watch the feed. True. Yeah, no, I mean, that would actually a that switch w- thing, isn't it? Like basically, you're watching the feed as it, like basically, you're watching the feed and commenting on it. Um, yeah, I like that idea. Maybe um, as you're on doing flyaways, maybe uh, I can do a, a very stark assessment of MXGP and MX2. You can. Indonesia starts at like four a.m. in Eng- in uh, England. Yeah, we'll probably run um, a delayed <laughs> response to that one. I mean, like literally, I don't even, I don't even need to try hard to put you off. Just. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah, we definitely uh, run uh, a delayed. So basically, when I wake up, uh, we would then run the Indonesian race like it's not even happened. Yeah, the only race I've ever missed is Russia, but I need to go to Russia next year. So oh, I can't wait. See me in Russia. Cannot wait for that one. 
I think I'm probably going to make you come with me. You said you basically said I've got to make Russia for the last three years. Yeah, I've so, got to go this year. though. I've got to go. <laughs> I know, but you said that for the last three yeah, years. Yeah, I know, so. but I feel like I'm really using. I'm really using up my mulligans. <laughs> I don't know about mulligans, but uh, I've I have got I've definitely heard this before at least three times. So um, I, I'm I'm just going to sit there and have a little chuckle. No, to myself. You're probably coming too because I don't doubt I'll go alone. Why would I want to go to Russia? Uh, look after me. Oh, I'm old. Yeah, exactly. So if anyone chases me, I'll just outrun you and I'll be fine. I tell you what, I've seen you run. There's, there's no way you're outrunning me. Oh, I'll outrun you, climb up a tree. No, there's and then you'll no way. Be down I, there like, I've seen you run. I actually think it's closer to a skip. Not at all. That's stupid. I mean, it, no, it is. It is. It is closer to a skip, a girl's skip. So if it comes down to running, even my old ass at 46 could outrun you. Stupid thing to say. I'm pretty confident about, confident about that. As, as, as much as I'm confident about beating you in a swimming race. At 61 support, are you at every race of the MXGP season? Yes, except for Russia, but not this year. You'll see me in Russia, and I will take lots of touristy photos of me on my Russian break. Bullshit. To a, prove that I'm there, but also... Be leave some sort of trail of where I was when I go missing. Bullshit. Lewis would be in Worthing, uh, in his mum's uh, living room, with a backdrop of Russia on there, with a furry hat on. No, I'm going to go to Russia. You've heard it here first. I'm going to Russia next year. First time. First time, last time. <laughs> we're, we're literally going to have to give you ketamine, so that you just wake up in Russia and not even know. No, I'm going to Russia. Okay. I am going to Russia. I've got yeah. to go to Russia. You heard it for, here first. I will... Um... Like I say, I will be documenting my journey online very thoroughly to leave some sort of trail for the authorities when I go missing. Mm -hmm. You are going to go missing. Exactly. So I've got to leave some sort of like... I'm going to see you in Russia, everyone. See you in Russia. James will be there too because I need a security guard. Not that he'd be much use. He's about as much use of a sh as a security guard as he is a motocross podcaster. Do you know what? If I went to Russia, even with the limited uh, knowledge I've got in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and everything else, I'd still just say, take whatever you want. <laughs> I am not fucking about over there. I would just be very, um, I'll just try and like, when it's good here. The thing is though, is actually being next to you is like a magnet for things to go wrong. Yeah. Trust me. I know. Yeah. They'll just look at your face and just want to fight you. Pretty much. Or I'll say something stupid like, I don't want to be here. And then You're a dick. Hear it. Yeah. Or what, look at this shit country. Bill G. With Fevra Crocs, does this open a door for a third rider at Ice One and shut it for the inexperienced Brara May? Uh, no, no, Ice One are definitely running two riders, although a Fevra Watson Vlandering factory team is one heck of a factory team. But no, no they are going to run two riders. Never. They're going to run two riders, um, obviously Fevra being one of them. The other, who knows, we'll find out soon, I guess. I think that Brara May is not getting this Ice One deal, and I think you touched on the inexperience point there. I think that's a good thing because, yeah, if you were feather out for the off-season, if you're leaning on Brara May to make some inroads, then that maybe wouldn't go so well. Although, on the flip side, he did have experience with a bike this year, so maybe that's some sort of positive there. But right now, my bet is Brara May is not getting that seat. That is my formal bet. Right Where now. does he go? I don't know. If he doesn't get Kawasaki, I genuinely don't know. Because mm. he's, he's a good rider, good talent. So well, I would have I would have bet all along that he would have gone to um, Honda SR because French team, smaller team benefit like it would work in many levels. 
but they seem to have moved on now. So yep. I wonder if waiting out for Kawasaki is actually going to screw some riders like Barame. Yeah. PWAS0706. Does Kevin Stribus' announcement have anything to do with Suzuki? No, 100% not. 1 million percent not. Absolutely no way. 100%, 1,000%, no way. I tried, I've, I revisited this uh, this week. I text Kevin again and said, I really want to know what you're doing next year. Said he still can't tell me yet. I think, I'm having a guess here. I think his brother-in-law, maybe something like that, runs Riley Racing. So I wonder if Strybos is going to like team manage that team. Because apparently Riley, Riley Racing is stepping up into MXGP and MX2 from EMX250. So I wonder if Strybos is going to spearhead that operation. But then okay. I wonder why With that's... what riders? Um, I heard from someone, I don't even know who. Who did I hear that from? Guarami. No, I heard from someone that there was a chance that Fredrickson was going to ride an MXGP for them. An MXGP Fredrickson, so just skip at 250 completely and go 450. I don't know. I can't. I don't even. To be honest, I don't even know if I did hear this now. That, that wouldn't not. surprise me because JWR tried to sign him. Uh, even I think it was like two years ago because the kid's huge. He's to be fair, talking to Daruva again, spoiling this podcast. Talking to Daruva, I said to him like, "There's a lack of talent coming up," and he said, "100 percent." But some guys impressed me. me like Fredrickson, he's just way too big for a 250, so it'd be a waste of time. Yeah. Here we go, James, for you. I think he could actually bench press a 450, he's that big. At Aston139, James? Yeah. I like the Air Max collection. Are you done, or is there more to come? Oh, oh, there's always more. I just want to say that today, um, I am wearing a maroon uh, Vans uh, hoodie, uh, and also... A maroon pair of um, Nike uh, Air Max 90s, but the I don't think they're the Flywire. I think they're the Ultra, Ultra something, but uh, Ultra SE or something like that. But yeah, it's whatever, whatever color top you will find me in the same color trainers. So um, yeah, very happy with my Nike Air. Uh, approaching. Uh, I think we've just gone past the 80 mark, um, and I've got a nice little cabinet now. Just getting some LEDs to light them all up. And uh, a few of them in their box fresh, like the Nike Air Max um, infrareds, which came out. They got uh, they came out, and I think it was 1990. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, they were reintroduced uh, a few years ago, and I bought some box fresh ones. I don't think there was too many of them made, but um, yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. And uh, Hirachi, so Nike Air Max 90s, and anything Hirachi. So um, yeah, love it. Just absolutely love Nike Air Maxes. Other trainers are available. This, this podcast is not sponsored no. or endorsed by Nike. Any other trainers are just... No, I mean, everybody's got their own little... I, I know there's quite a few sneakerheads out there who like things like Adidas and stuff like that. And, but I've just always been... Um, I've always collected uh, Air Maxes. I think I got my first Air Maxes when I was like 14 or something like that, when Air Max 90s first came out and just been buying them ever since. I actually have a pair for every day for three months, I think. So I could wear a different pair of uh, Air Maxes every day for three months about. And that's why they stay like brand new because you never ever hardly wear them. I'm not trying to like control your life or anything. Um, but like as a friend now, mm -hmm. have you ever thought about maybe you should like go and start Nike Vice or something? Because that's the most passion you've had on this podcast in months. I have lots and lots of... Um, 
interests outside of motocross. That's why I, 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 my knowledge of motocross is, is varied because obviously there's, I, I love UFC. Like I am actually infatuated with UFC. Nikes, Stan Socks. There's certain brands which I really like, um, but also certain sports I really like. If I brought I out Lewis motocross. Phillips merch, would that fall into your little group of brands you like? No, oh. and it would the the company would be dissolved in six months. I don't know. If I can Unless you, you as a, out, if I can just get you as a consistent buyer. Nah, I think the only the only thing what would go well would be a Lewis Phillips punch bag, so um, or a dartboard with your face on it. I think those are two uh, items which would sell very well in the MXGP paddock and just uh, ram it across as a whole. I just need a catchphrase, and then that can be my merch. Yeah, I can I I can actually uh, bring up that uh, catchphrase for you. Like when you hit a bullseye, it actually uh, sounds. I'm a. Okay, I don't think you're allowed to say that on a podcast. Please don't repeat language like that again, because that is not the tone we are going for on the podcast. Final question. Yep. Not sure how this is going to go. Really don't know whether I should ask it, but hey ho, let's hit it. Voice of the drunken people. What's the most annoying thing about each other, and how have you not killed each other yet? Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh, wow. Uh, how long have we got? Just one thing. Try and be nice. Just the one? Just try and be nice. Yeah, you say that. I've got like 17. Oh, yeah, that's not bad, really. Um, hmm. Uh, most annoying. So many. How do I get one which peaks above all others? Um, mm, most annoying would be but I'm better than you than you at everything in life in every single way and I'm just generally a better human and that infuriates you because you can never reach my level the only thing you've ever done in life is motocross and not even riding so <laughs> that is just the most ridiculous statement ever known to me. I was just trying to get inside your head and I was like you know what he does idolise me so that's probably what he's thinking <laughs> idolise <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you are funny. Um, I think the the one thing which is you're really taking annoying. it seriously. I really thought we were having a laugh, but you're really <laughs> no, no. The one thing which uh, I find really annoying is because you're a perfectionist, which is great in one way, but really is frustrating in another because it's like there's loads of stuff that we want to do and loads of stuff that, and and quite rightly, you want to do everything right, but fucking hell. Like, I'm going to be dead by the time we get through all these ideas. I hear you, I see you, and I understand you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not going to get into it, but I literally had this conversation with you two weeks ago. I'm not waiting to do some of those things because I'm a perfectionist. I'm waiting to do some of those things because I literally don't have time. I'm trying to figure out how I've got time. We've had this I discussion. Know. I don't know. I think, I think, I understand about the time element. That's fine. But you are a ridiculous perfectionist. Yeah. I like to. I'm, I'm a competitive person with myself as well. So if I'm if, if I'm in competition with myself, I demand the best of myself with this podcast, with everything I do, and I try and make everything amazing. But that's not yeah, for no it, other reason other than that's my little that's my drive, that's my motivation. So so that's where uh, Honestly, that's where the, the biggest issue with my perfectionism is the fact that I have to deal with you because if I really could be perfectionist, you would I would be literally putting you in the dustbin. So um, this is where uh, we clash because Lewis is like a massive perfectionist. And don't get me wrong, I like perfection. However, you have to try and get somewhere to perfection. So you have to start somewhere. So like, the, like I always say that a good idea only happens when you start it. 
if you never start a good idea, it's never going to be a good idea. So I always try and do everything, like get things up and running. Uh, and James just like throws, le- learn James my throws shit at a wall and waits for something to stick. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's fucking annoying as well. Uh, like I said, it's not just one thing. I was just trying to be polite uh, with perfectionists. He is a prick. <laughs> Thank you for that, James. I see you, I hear you, and I understand you. And I will try my best to do better for, at that for you. I don't want you to be better. I just don't want you to be you. <laughs> what annoys me about you the most? You breathe a little too much for my liking. Be nice if we yeah. could just stop that. That would solve yeah. some problems. <laughs> yeah, massive. <laughs> Solve my problem. Listen to this shit all the time. <laughs> I don't know. I can't wait. <laughs> it's my family. What it's my family. What keeps me going? Um, your MX Vice family. Uh, no. <laughs> um, um, oh, I don't know. He's never on time. <laughs> that infuriates everyone. That infuriates me to hell because if he's ever involved in a plan. I literally cannot relax because I have no idea if that plan, meeting, event, podcast, content, ex- insert type of thing that requires a time limit here. I never I quite a, know if that happens. So I could generally write a book on the amount of time or the amount of things what's happened to make me late. But my wife will say the same. She's literally, you will be late for your own funeral. Because I've never been on time for anything in my life. Or I'd either go with that because that, that causes me a lot of stress. Not so much now because you don't do as many GPs. So I don't have to like worry about your, your attendance for a flight as much. Well, the, the interesting word was the last uh, flight that I'd got, I got with Wes. I was so late because we got stuck in the Dartford Tunnel. Not our fault. Um, just it was very busy. And we left. I left at like six in the morning. And our flight was like one. So, um, but yeah, I had to drop Wes off at the airport and miss my flight. If not that, I'd say the fact that um, you can say to James, James, it's going to rain today. And then two seconds later, he'll look at you and he'll go, what's the weather like today? And you're like, uh, I just told you it's going to rain today. And then he'll go, okay. And then five seconds later, he'll go, hey, I'm just wondering, what's the weather going to do today? It's like, uh, it's going to rain today. That. Yeah. Yeah, short, short to memory yeah, loss. It's like, before um, this podcast, we had a little catch up because we haven't spoken in a week. And the catch up was me telling James what I told him last week. Yeah. <laughs> Which I've I've said like five times now. I genuinely can't explain the amount of uh, stuff I've got on my mind at the moment. It's crazy. Like with obviously MX Vice with where that's going, even strokes where that's going, and then all the other little bits in between, and all the other stuff I'm trying to achieve. It says a lot um, about you as a person. That I my response to the criticism was, I hear you, I understand you, and I will try to be better for you. And your response is to be defensive. And I wonder what that says about you as a person. Ah, it's not defensive. Uh, for one, I'm never going to change. Just say, I ever. see you, I hear you. So whatever your problem or anybody's problem with me, then that's their problem because I'm never going to change. Like, I am built this way. I have tried to change. And unfortunately, it doesn't work. I just change back to what I was. So um, this, is, this is who I am. So I've always uh, say to people, um, a bit like Maramite. Um, so I'll tell you what would be like funny. me or you don't. What? A lot of people in the paddock like laugh at me and like have jokes at my expense and stuff. Thanks, obviously you do as well. You're you kind of cause you kind of like created this atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It'd be quite funny to get everyone on, like get everyone on here for a ten minute slot, slot and do an MX Vice roast. 
Yeah, that'd be cool. And then we'll do one for me, one for you, and then we can maybe progress it into like riders with their old team managers and stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway, we did a lot of time on that. Way too much time. Um, yeah, okay. How have you not killed each other yet? Because James really just idolizes me. And although he says I annoy him, he really, I am the beacon of light in his life. And without that, if that, if that lighthouse were to, were to ever go out, then he would have no, he wouldn't know where he was in life. So that light, the lighthouse that is myself is really just carrying him through every second of every day. My answer to that is if I kill Lewis, I would have more work myself. No, we've already discussed this. If anything ever happens to me, I just want you to shut him twice down. Oh no, we're going to have fun. I would turn in my grave if something happened to me and then I, fa- and then I found out there was a podcast the following week. <laughs> F-U-N. Oh, it, it would be the most funnest podcast ever. Anyway. There'd be a celebration of your life and death. That's Liat Ask Vice Anything. Thank you for those questions. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve year after year. The 2022 gear is now available worldwide and there are many lines for you to consider. The 3.5 ride kit, which is an affordable combo, the 4.5 jersey and pants, the 4.5 enduro jersey and pants, and the 5.5 jersey and pants. There is so much to consider. There is an advanced range of motor helmets for 2022 too, including the 9.5 carbon, the 8.5 composite, the 7.5, and the 3.5. The Liat helmets are available in a broad range of striking colors to suit all tastes. The 9.5, 8.5, and 7.5 helmets also come with a free pair of bulletproof velocity goggles from Liat. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on liat.com. That is part two, the end of part two. We'll go for an ad and then we'll come back with part three, which is game time. Part two was presented by Technical Touch with an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world. The KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. You too can experience the best in suspension, like Jeremy Sewer and Glenn Koldenoff, and close to home too. Visit technical-touch.com slash KYB-authorized-dealer to find an authorized KYB by Technical Touch dealer in your country. Take your ride to the next level. And of course, this week, the authorized dealer spotlight went on Austria suspensions. And of course, thank you, Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. That's part two. We'll be straight back in three minutes with Armour, you smarter than a bird. See you in a bit. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke World Championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. 
Instagram. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to part three of the 89th episode of the MX Vice Show podcast. Thanks for listening so far. Hope you've enjoyed it. It's off season now, so we're just back to resuming the schedule of just talking about a bit of nonsense, really, as well as little things that are going on in the sport. There should be big things coming soon. So a lot more to talk about. We'd like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition for their support of MX Vice and the MX Vice Show. Without those guys, these podcasts would not happen, quite simply. So thank you to them. Please support them. Follow them on social media. Visit their websites. There may even still be some Cyber Week deals out there with those people. And it would help us tremendously if you could just show them some love in return for their love of this episode of the MX Vice show. So this is part three, which means we are presented to you by Prox Racing Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Put simply, if you're not factory and you want to be factory, which is probably 99.9% of this podcast, listeners, you out there, you're going to want Prox because that is the bridge between you and a better, more reliable, cost-effective solution for your bike. Prox ticks those boxes. Is it an improvement? Hell yes. Is it cost-effective? Hell yes. Is it going to save you money in the long run? Oh, yes. Basically, you need to stop what you're doing, pause this podcast, head to pro-x.com now, order some bits for your bike, because whatever your bike is, whatever year it is, whatever color it is, there are going to be endless parts for your bike, and then you will be on the path to success, thanks to Prox Racing Parts. So, James. So, Lewis. Are you ready for Armour You Smarter Than a Birth? Born ready, Lewis. Oh, actually, I just remembered. We don't do this much anymore, so I forget how it all works, to be honest. But I have got... Armour is an action and adventure lifestyle-driven brand founded by action sports industry veterans. Armour recognised a void in the marketplace and created a complete line of nutritional supplements formulated especially to help athletes and enthusiasts of all levels realise their maximum potential. Armour's products were developed and tested in real-world conditions by an all-star team of athlete owners. It includes Jeremy McGrath, Chad Reed, and Nick Wade. Armour Sport is now available in Europe, and you will learn more about that right now as I bring the music down to tell you that... That was terrible. <laughs> if I bring it... Oh, my God. It, it just sounds like an old guy got drunk in a, in a telephone box. Oh. What the hell was that? And like something from a 70s game show. Yeah. I mean, that's the best you can do. Going back to what we said about what annoys me with James, that I've used that jingle probably 15 times now. And clearly James feels like he's just heard it for the first time. <laughs> I've probably ignored it every week and then I've just listened to it. And it's like, oh my God. Well, this is your game, James. <laughs> Yeah, we need, to, we need to change that. Well, you know what, James? It's not perfect, but I listened to you. I heard you. So I've come up with a non-perfect solution. Yeah, it needs to change. Do you want me to go back to being a perfectionist? 
I'm really getting mixed signals from you here. <laughs> if you could really just put in an email what you want from me. Yeah, maybe not that. Okay. Anyway, what I was going to say is Armour is now available in Europe. And if you head to evenstrokes.com, you will find all of the Armour products that are available in the UK and Europe. And you may even be able to just grab a Cyber Week deal. Obviously, Cyber Monday would have been and gone by the time that you've listened to this. But you may be able to steal a deal. Uh, am I right in thinking that the Armour 10% off code is still going to be running, James? Uh, for MX Vice um, listeners uh, and website users, uh, we are going to run MX Vice 10. So not so Armour 10. No, Armour Arma 10's finished, which is over, was over Cyber Weekend. But what we've done now is uh, actually, if you just, when you go to Even Strokes in a checkout, if you just type in MX Vice, all one word, that will give you 10% off site wide. So um, there's everything on there from, you know, any product on there, you can get 10% only if you're an MX Vice user and you type in uh, MX Vice um, in the checkout as a coupon code. Uh, anybody who doesn't listen to this uh, podcast is obviously not an MX Vice user, so you won't be able to get the code. It's only being advertised right now. Here. Please shut up. Let's go game time. How are you feeling today? Uh, good. Good, yeah. I'm on, on top of the world. Four points to win. There are six points on the table. Five questions. The first four questions are worth one point. The fifth question is worth two points. Are you ready, James? Born ready. Question one. On the day that Arnatonus got his first overall podium, his teammate won. Name that teammate. Hmm. Uh, so am I right in thinking that he was on CLS Kawasaki? Possibly at the same time, I'm going to say it's probably either Paul Ann or Cyril. Hmm. I'm going to go with Cyril. Okay, um, there was so much wrong with that, but I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> I might need to listen Great. to a replay, make some notes, and come back to you. <laughs> just, just a simple no would suffice. <laughs> wrong bike, wrong team, wrong year. Paul Ann never rode for CLS anyway. <laughs> wrong teammate. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going well. So you were currently on negative seven points. <laughs> so what was the answer? Um, Ken Roxon. Teka Suzuki. Oh, damn. 2010 okay. Fermo. Right. Yeah, that's way before my time, really. Is it before your time? Yeah, before my time. If you could provide, Not really if, before my time, but... If you could just like, provide some sort of um, guideline as to what your time is, that would be helpful. <laughs> there were some peak years. <laughs> okay. Question two. Who finished in the top three in the 2015 MXGP series? I need all three rider names. Top three in the MXGP series? 2015. You thought I meant 2021 there, didn't you? And you were like, oh, here we go. <laughs> right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, definitely right up my alley. Uh, right, okay. Uh, 2015 was... Um, this is where I always get freaking confused. It was a Villapoto year. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, Fever won the championship. Uh, I'm going to go with Fever, DeSalle, and then Caroli. <laughs> it was Fever, Paul Ann, and Bobrashev. 
if you'd only if you'd got two out of three, I would have listened to a debate as to whether you would have got the point. But seeing as you got one out of three, I'm afraid no points awarded on that one. Who has no more problem. MXGP Moto wins? David Philipparts, Kevin Strybos, or Ken Dedeiker? Uh, I'm going to go Philipparts. It's incorrect. It's Ken Dedeiker. Bollocks. Question four. What country did Zach Osborne represent at the 2008 Motocross of Nations? 2008 Motocross of Nations. Hmm. Puerto Rico. That's correct. So I was really hoping for a funny answer there where like you couldn't remember the name Puerto Rico and you were like, uh, uh, Malaysia? Like, but no, apparently not. No, we are good. That question was there purely for comedic value and you've just ruined it. Sorry. Question five for double points. You're not going to win. You can't. It's impossible. But let's see how you get on. You've got 30 seconds. Do not answer until the time limit expires. List the last seven nations to win the motocross of nations. You've got 30 seconds to think about it. 30 seconds. Probably more like 25 now. List the last seven nations to win the motocross of nations. Okay. The last seven. I need all seven. It's quite easy. I feel like most people listening to this would be able to get this. Time's running out. Here we go. Okay, let's go. What have you got for us? The last seven? Yes. I've said that many times. Hmm. It's like you've just heard the question for the first time. <laughs> right. France, Germany. Yes, yes. USA. Yes. Netherlands. Yes. Belgium. Yes. Mm, this is where That's five. Stuck. Yeah. Um, last seven years. Italy. Yes. Oh, fucking hell. I need one more. Italy, uh, France, Germany, USA, Netherlands, Belgium, Italy, and fuck, what's the last one? I'm going to have to speed you up. It's weird that you seem to be doing your working out now, whereas you had the 30 seconds. That's, that's what I came up with in the 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. um, You've got until uh, the end of this drum roll. Oh, I, I can't find the other one. Okay. Italy, yeah. 2021. Yeah. Netherlands, 2019. Yeah. France, 2018. Belgium, yep. 2013. Germany, 2012. USA, 2011. Great Britain, 1994. You just said the last seven nations. Yeah, they are the last seven countries to win. Fucking hell, that was a fucking trick question. How, what did you think I meant? Because you Basically knew what last... I meant because you were trying to name seven countries. Yeah. So you knew what I meant. Fucking hell, so now we're going back to 1994. It's not my fault that those were the last seven countries. You're lucky, to be honest, because you don't know what you missed, what it was, what the question was. Why don't, I... you, why don't you just say, why don't you just name the last six countries? <laughs> because you would have got that right. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no fun for you. <laughs> no, you no. Actually, the question originally was name the last eight nations, and I actually changed it because do you want to know what the eighth one was? <laughs> uh, go on, USSR. <laughs> That would have been fun. <laughs> 1978. Wow. Yeah, so I took that out because so, I was... So, so since 1978, only nine countries have won the nation. <laughs> no, where did you get nine from? Seven. <laughs> the yeah, but seven... Oh, seven, eight, sorry, plus Russia. Yeah, USSR... Well, no, USSR. <laughs> if wow. I'd gone for nine, we would have had Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Dominant. Dominant. Okay. That was fun. Uh, yeah. That was fun. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, real really enjoyed that. <laughs> I really wish I'd, I really wish I'd left USSR in there now. But this is a thing. It's not I like six would have been easy. USSR would have been too hard, so I just go straight down the middle all the time for reasonably easy but reasonably hard. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I really enjoy it. Okay. Thanks for playing. You lost, I'm afraid. One point out of a possible six. Shocker. Um, yeah. Absolutely shocking. That's your that performance. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Do you want to continue playing that game? Do you feel like we should make some changes to it? No, I don't mind playing it. I feel like it's not... I, feel it's, like it's not uh, I just always feel that the, the odds are stacked against me, so um, I'm happy to continue playing it. <laughs> yeah, Never but, been one to turn away from a challenge. <laughs> Remember the one time I did make it really easy and it was shit? Because... One day at Bank Up. One day I made it really easy and it was so shit because you got everyone right within like one second. It was like brilliant face. Thanks for that. <laughs> but everybody enjoyed that time. I don't think anyone did. You even said, yeah, that was shit. Anyway, we're in the closing stages of episode 89 of the MXY Show podcast. I need a Planet Moto bombshell from you. Uh, bombshell wise. Um, uh, Kawasaki second riders actually might happen. It is happening. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, that is a bombshell. Because we've think, been thinking it's been happening for three months. There will definitely be, I think there will definitely be some Kawasaki news tomorrow. Def, uh, not, uh, not factory 450 specific, but I believe there will be a Kawasaki signing announced, not 450 and not factory tomorrow on December the 1st. So that, that is some news coming out soon. What bombshell can I say? What bombshell? What have you got for bombshell wise? Uh, no, I was just saying that Kawasaki. Yeah, we're not doing that. That's terrible. Movie. That's terrible. Okay. Um, I haven't really got another bombshell. Well, actually, Corolli- how good was Corolli at Supercross? Was it? Were you surprised? Yeah. Because it wasn't Supercross. It was SMX. Okay. okay. No. <laughs> well, how, how good was Corolli at SMX? <laughs> yeah, great. There we go. Boom. I think that Paris is broken. This is my bombshell run. This is my bombshell grind my gears collab. The two segments okay. are merging into one. Right. I think Paris is broken. You go, girl. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think Paris is broken because, okay, excluding this year, also previous years, I think they need to focus, when they get riders over, they need to focus on how good the racing is going to be. Because even if this was a supercross track with whoops, you would have had Musquin win all three main events, 
then three seconds behind would have been Brayton in second in all three, mate. Like, and it's the same every other year, 2019, 2018. Based on the entry list, you can almost pretty much predict the results and it kind of plays out that way anyway. I think they need to go, right, we're not going to have Marvin. We're going to get fifth through 10th place in AMA Supercross on this track so that who knows who's going to win. And they're all equal on speed. They're all going to be close and then let them at it. And this will be incredible because it'll be so unpredictable and debatable what's going to happen. I think that's what they need to do because I think it's a bit broken because it's all like, part of the reason I didn't go to Paris was that I kind of felt like, what, what are people going to get excited for? Because realistically, there's no pre-race discussion to be had because Marvin's going to win and Brayton will be second. Okay, as it turned out, Brayton was third, but you get my point. So I feel like, whereas if it was, um, oh, I'm struggling to think of like an example. If it was, say, oh, uh, hold on, let me think. I'm struggling. Um, let's say it was, why am I struggling so much? Okay, let's say Barsha, Plessinger, Mookie, Anderson, Wilson, Savarchi. Those six riders pick a winner. Who knows? Probably Barsha would be the favorite, but not not enough where it'd be like, oh, he'll definitely win. Those six riders would make a very entertaining race where I would be like, you know what? I want to see who wins this. Whereas Paris, I was like, well, I know Marvin's going to win. Like, <laughs> I know that. Like, please. And it's the same when every year, like, you get me? I've got a question for you. What? Uh, it's from Chris Matthews. Uh, if Dougie and Steve Mathis was in a burning building and you could only save one, who would it be? Here we go with another grind my gears, right? I am uh, quite a negative person. Would you say, James? Yeah, very negative. Would you say that I like many people? Uh, no, no, I'd say at least four to five. <laughs> okay. So why is it that everyone seems to think I love every person in the world? <laughs> because I feel like we get this question a lot with insert any other human being here. As if I seem to, as if I come across that I love everyone in the world. Well, I feel like I really don't come across like that. Again, you go, girl. <laughs> Riddle me that. <laughs> you go, girl. Do you agree with what I meant, what I said about Paris, though? Uh, not really. Um, <laughs> why, why would you have, um, why would you have a French Supercross race uh, without bringing back one of Fr France's biggest current exports? Um, he's going to sell that out every time yeah, he it's appears. It's boring. Like, we know Marvin's going to win. It, we know... Most people run a business to try and make money, you know, and, and for it to come back again. So, you know, what you're proposing will probably not make money. Brayton, Plessinger, Barsha, Stewart, Anderson, Savarchi, Wilson. Those people throw a blanket over them. We've had that, though, in previous years. I feel like there was still Marvin. Uh, well, uh, oh. 19. 19, um, Barsha was there. Stuart was there. I don't there. remember who won 19. I think it was Barsha. 2019. Was, was Marvin there? It was Barsha. Well, I don't know, but Barsha definitely won. Hold on. Was um, Marvin injured? Hold on. I think you've basically just done undone your whole... Stuart, Ferrandis, Barsha, Savarchi was the... Uh... Oh, no, that's Super Bowl results. Yeah, okay, 2019. I remember 2019 being... Like, 2019, right? The overall results. 
Well, actually, I guess that 20, 2019 okay. was really good. It was a fantastic event. Then we had COVID. <laughs> so basically, your rant is hard to shine. Yeah, but this was only because Marvin. This is only because Marvin was injured. This is the only reason. Because I imagine Marvin would have been there if he wasn't injured. <laughs> Marvin would have been there if he wasn't injured. So they lucked into this. Have a go at them even more. <laughs> Go go into your mum's shed, find a fucking spade, and dig yourself a bigger hole. Look, this is what I want, right? This was the King of Paris results from 2019. First, Barsha, 3-2-1-4-2-3. Brilliant. Second, Mookie, 9-1-5-3-1-1. Brilliant. Third, Ferrandis, 1-5-8-6-4-2. Brilliant. Look at that parity, that unpredictableness. Look at it. I just don't want first Marvin one 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 like it's like oh god we know we know we know it's all the drama I just want the drama anyway that is my Planet Motor bombshell of the week I feel like the bombshell landed directly on top of me <laughs> yeah <laughs> literally on your head <laughs> it was like a boomerang bomb, boomerang bomb which you threw out and just come back and hit you in the face. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better. And you can still experience that right now. Planet Motors still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. There is a lot going on at Planet Moto and what you're going to want to do. Is head to planetmotor.co to learn more or head to Planet Motor Holidays on Facebook. And there you will find more details on what dates are available. Warning, there aren't really any available in the, in the um, immediate future. But March sort of time, it opens up again, opens up as far as there's availability. They're sold out November, December, January, February. But what you're going to want to do is keep an eye on their social media channels because there may be cancellations. You never know. Someone gets injured. Someone gets sick. Someone just decides that they can't afford it after all. Then there might be an option available in the not-so-distant future. You could jump on that. So what you're going to want to do, Planet Motor Holidays, Facebook page, Bosch, keep an eye on that. And there you go. You could end up riding in Spain sooner than you think. Or just plan for March when the weather will be nice. It will be perfection. Oh, fair play to Max and their team. Great to hear that they're actually sold out for, you know, that's, obviously it's taken them a few years to get to that point, but that's fantastic to hear. Glad you're happy. I am very happy. Anything to say? Uh, no, I would like to... Uh, just wish everyone a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, Is that it? Like Are you done for the year? <laughs> I would like to yeah, see you in 22. Um, no, I just want to thank actually a lot of the people who listen to this in, in, in you know, customers of Even Strokes for supporting us over the uh, Black Friday weekend. Absolutely fantastic. And um, we're able to do some really cool stuff now for, um, for next year, uh, including uh, sponsorship of over 30 kids again. So thank you. You're just like a modern day Santa Claus. That's cool. We got actually a, an open evening for all those kids, and they're coming down on December eleventh to uh, the MX Vice in Even Strokes uh, office and warehouse. So um, it's looking pretty cool. You know, we've had quite a bit done, and a little bit more is going to be done. So um, yeah, we're opening that up for the kids to to have a walk around. They can try out the podcast equipment, go in the video studio, uh, check out Aladdin's Cave, which is uh, where all the stuff is. It's going to be pretty cool. Thank you. James, um, I'm very happy to hear that you're having a nice time at Even Strokes. Thank you for popping by to do this podcast still every week. We appreciate your consistency. No problem. Thank you to 
Prox Racing Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Thank you to Prox Racing Parts, a product I personally very much believe in. I believe it makes a difference whether you're a GP rider who's not on a factory team trying to reach the next level, or whether you're a club rider just looking for a good, cost-effective, high-performance solution to your racing. I strongly vouch for Prox Racing Parts and everything they have going on at pro-x.com. And of course, thank you to Fly Racing. Max Anthony will be wearing Fly Racing gear and the Fly Racing Formula helmet. Come Anaheim 1, 2022. Liat, Mark Deruva endorses Liat and he, there is a podcast with him probably on the MX Vice Network by the time that you listen to this. So look forward to that. Planet Motor Holidays. Go to Spain. Keep an eye on those social media channels and you may be able to go to Spain a little sooner than you thought. Just remember... Keep refreshing the Planet Motor Holidays social media channels. Prox Racing Parts. If you're not factory and you want to be factory, you need to choose Prox. No matter your level, no matter your bike, no matter your year of bike, you need Prox. Trust me. Try it once. Trust me. You'll never go back. Once you go Prox, you never go back. Technical Touch and KYB. Get factory KYB suspension in your country. Visit their website. Find the authorized dealers list. Find an authorized dealer in your country and then you will have factory suspension for your bike like Jeremy Seward and Glenn Coldenoff. Even Strokes, James Burfield gave us a passionate little speech there, and he thanked everyone for supporting Even Strokes over the Black Friday weekend, but the deals have not ended there. Head to evenstrokes.com and you will find more deals on armor, gear, gear, parts, supplements, everything you need for racing. So head there, do that, and then next week on the podcast, James's mood will be a little happier, and then if you keep doing it, happier and happier and happier until he explodes. MXGP TV, 80 days, 79 days until you're going to be logging onto that to watch round one. Matley Bazin. Mark Daruva said he doesn't believe that we'll start on time, but who knows? We're just going to have to see how the world develops. Backyard Design UK. Tommy Sell endorses Backyard Design UK. Asterix knee braces. Tim Geyser uses Asterix knee braces. And Armour Nutrition, as used by Conrad Muse. Chad Reed. Adam Cincerello, Cameron, McAdoo, and more. Final thoughts, James. Final thoughts. Don't forget to use code MXVICE to get your uh, 10% code off of uh, Even Strokes. Final thoughts also would be, uh, it's going to be interesting hearing uh, Kawasaki name their uh, second rider and watch the dominoes fall in place. I think there's just going to be, over the next week, it's going to be PRs galore. So um, get your fingers ready, Lewis. Yes, sir. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been episode 89. We'll be back with episode 90. No show next week, but a week after, we will be back. Depending depending what happens, depending what happens December the 1st, there's a chance we may have to do an emergency podcast. So maybe a show next week. We'll see what happens. I'll let you know on social media. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support of MX Vice. Thank you just for being there. Thank you. Thank you. That's been episode 89. We'll be back maybe next week or maybe the week after. Thanks for listening. Bye. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. 
Planet Moto still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit the tracks like Red Sand as soon as possible, visit planetmoto.co for more information. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, LIAC continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free LIAT bulletproof velocity goggles, LIAT has you covered. Shop LIAT's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke world championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. You are listening to the MX Vice Show.